Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Speaking of five-star reviews, thank you very much to, I'm probably going to butcher this, Fayaza Yagi. They write, obsessed, five stars. To say I'm obsessed is an understatement. Tyler's idea to work the third goal is amazing. I appreciate the questions he poses to his interviewees and how he allows them to guide their story. I've listened to all the podcast episodes and and become reinvigorated with the joy of Peace Corps. As a return PCV myself, the stories give me a sweet nostalgia and bittersweet pining for the time spent in my own West African village of Kolo. Thank you very much for the kind review, and if you like what I'm doing, be sure to let me know by giving me five stars over on Apple Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Taylor Fiella to the show. Taylor served in Fiji from 2015 to 2017 as a community youth development volunteer. She had an amazing time in Peace Corps, but her service was ended just a few days early when her house was set fire. However, she doesn't want this experience to define her Peace Corps service or what you think of Fiji. I'll let her tell her story. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Taylor Viola, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's kind of cold today, so I'm just getting used to the weather. <laughs> yeah, today was the first really cold day in D.C. I woke up and it was 24 degrees, so not a big fan of that. And a, definitely a little bit different uh, from where uh, you're coming from. You've been back from Peace Corps for two months now, almost, right? Yeah, just about. So starting off, uh, let everyone know uh, a little bit about yourself where you served in Peace Corps, what you did, uh, just anything that we need to know before we get into your Peace Corps story. Okay. Um, my name is Taylor. I'm 24 years old, and I'm um, from Long Island, New York. Um, I decided to join the Peace Corps right after I graduated college. I got my Bachelor's of Science in Community Health and decided I wanted to travel and learn a little bit about the world and myself. So I decided to apply for the Peace Corps and I got accepted into the Community Youth Empowerment Program in Fiji from August 2015 to uh, October or through December 2017. Um, and I served in a little island called, on a little island called Vanua Levu in a little village named Vunikora. Okay. And I was primarily a, um, family life education teacher. That means health. I was basically a health teacher. So I was really applying what I did in school to my Peace Corps service, which doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And then for our listeners, 
Uh, tell us a little bit about Fiji. I mean, most people might not know much about it. They've maybe seen Fiji water, and they know it's a tropical island nation. But what do you want people to know about Fiji, the country you served in? Uh, well, Fiji's located in the South Pacific, kind of uh, like right by Australia and New Zealand. And it is just as beautiful as it is in that little water bottle. The scenery, that is true. There are the nicest people that you've ever met in your life in Fiji. They're so hospitable and they're a very giving community. You know, they will always make sure that you're fed. They're always going to make sure that like at least you're having a good time and probably that you're laughing and the native people there who are called Fijians, they are just the nicest people. I, I don't know what else to say about them besides that they were amazing and uh, truly it was so I, w- I feel grateful and kind of blessed to have spent my two years with such wonderful people. Uh, so that's what I wish. That's what I want my, the listeners to know is that the people in Fiji are incredible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and as far as your day to day as a volunteer, what did that look like? What sort of projects were you working on and involved with over your two years as a Peace Corps volunteer? Primarily, I was supposed to be a uh, family life education teacher, which that meant that I taught um, years 9 through 12. And then there's also a year 13, which is a class that um, is preparing students for uh, university. So I did that three days a week. So I would teach sexual reproductive health. I would teach healthy lifestyles. I would teach mental health was one of my favorite things to teach. I would teach healthy relationships. um, And I did I tried to be an intern interactive teacher. So uh, most days I was there doing that. And then by my second year, I had written a USAID grant with uh, the headman of my village. And we got, we were granted about 7,000 US dollars to be able to implement a flush toilet project. There were 30 houses in my village. So 15 of them had flush toilets, but 15 of them did not. And so my village had requested that this be our project. So I uh, managed the funds for that. And then I also uh, kind of was the project manager on that. And then in my spare time, I would, you know, learn and integrate with Fijian women a lot. I would cook their food. I would eat their food mostly, but I wouldn't cook that much. I don't want to give myself that much credit. But um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I worked with the women there, um, teaching them a little bit about nutrition because in Fiji, they have a really high rate of diabetes and obesity, and it's because they fry a lot of things. They have access to the, the healthiest food that I've ever seen any culture have access to. They have access to every type of fruit and vegetable. Well, I should say every type there, not like broccoli. I didn't see broccoli for two years, but they have like really a lot of access to fresh uh, food. So, but they always fried it in really cheap oil. And so, and they ate a lot of cassava and cassava is just a big root crop and that's really high in carbs. So they had very high rates of, uh, diabetes. So anyway, that's why I was passionate about teaching nutrition to the women because the women were the ones who were cooking for everyone in the village. So they were responsible a lot for nutritional, like other people's nutrition. So I tried to do that with the, with the women that was in my spare time. And that was more for fun on one-on-one or one on a few, like with me and a few women conversations. 
Mm -hmm. And then apart from the work that you did as a volunteer, I'd like to know a little bit more about your village and just time away from from work and what you did in your spare time, because you said that there were 30 houses in your village. And previously you had written me and said that there was, you know, 75 adults, 50 children. I mean, that's 125 people. I had classes in school that were twice the size of your village. So, so what was that like? Yeah, I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> I, so I did uh, on a day to day. You know, there was definitely a lot of free time. But what I found in in Peace Corps is that your day to day tasks take a lot of your time. Washing your clothes took at least two hours and at least another four hours to dry because you were hand washing them or washing your dishes took a little bit more time. So like that, that, that empty space um, was filled a lot with the daily chores. Now when I wasn't doing daily chores, obviously I would go around to the village. It was so small. Everyone knew my name. It was, it was um, an experience of a lifetime. It's so I haven't really, I, I've honestly been so emerged in American life and I haven't really thought much back to it until now. I just, I had an incredible family there. I had a Nana, which means Fijian mom, Tata, which means Fijian dad, and a little sister, Tafingu, which means my little sister, and a little brother also means Tafingu. And I, just, I hung out with them so much. Their house was about, I don't know, literally an a minute and a half away from my house. And so every morning I would go there. I ate breakfast with them. My Nana was just an incredible cook. She was a very healthy cook. So, and I also shared a lot of my insight with her on nutrition. Um, so all the time I would give her new, new ideas and we would try and cook together and eat together. And she, she and I would tell a lot of stories, a lot of times in Fiji, they will say um, telenoa, which means tell a story, and they want you to tell a funny story or a story about America. So that would be like when we were sitting around and everyone would tell a Noah, and I would try and understand their Fijian stories, but sometimes um, my language wasn't up to par, so it was a little bit difficult, but thankfully my Nana spoke English, and so she translated a lot of those stories. One other thing I forgot to mention in my written answers was there's this drink, it's called Yungona, or here you would know it as Kava, and that is a root that they the men usually plant, they usually have acres of land for their family. And so how they make money is they usually plant this plant called Yungona. And then when you, you harvest it after about two to three years, the longer you har the longer you let it um, grow, the better the, the quality of the Yungona. So they would you know, pull it. And then what you would do is you'd have to cut it up and it would be in little tiny circles. Then you dry it for about two days. And so it was a root. So it was it just looks like roots all over these big, um, big metal sheets. And then they would dry it and then uh, for two days and then they would pound it. So what it would come out to be was like a powder, almost you can envision almost like a tea bag. So then they would put this powder in a cloth and that's what, what I'm comparing to a tea bag. Then they put the powder, the cloth in a in a bowl, and basically a man would kind of mix it together, and then it looked like muddy water after it was all mixed. 
and kava was a traditional drink and a lot of times on friday and saturday nights people would drink kava um i don't know until two three o'clock in the morning so we did a lot of that that was our that was like our social time and so it tasted just as I described. It looks like muddy water. It also tastes like muddy water, but there was a lot of drinking of that. And so that had an effect on, it wasn't the effect, like Fijian people said that they were drunk, but I never really got drunk off of it. I, I like to say that it really made you feel bad the next day and it wasn't worth the drinking it, but it was because it was integration. You know, I, I did drink it because I needed to feel a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And then you had mentioned your your nana, your Fijian mom, and you shared this story with me, or, or at least the beginning of it, of your your favorite Peace Corps memory. Uh, yeah, can you share that with us now? And I and I, I can I can see it. I think peeking out from under your sleeve too. Yes. Yep. I got this tattoo. It, it says La Loma, and I was. I, I mean, we were. I was approaching leaving. I was approaching my departure date, and this woman had done so much for me throughout my two years there. Uh, she made me feel like family. She was actually only 30 years old, and I'm 20. I was 22 to 24 during my service, so she was really like my best friend. But she was voted my nana. They, that couple was voted my nana and tata through the whole village, so you know that they had like a good reputation. Um, so. Basically, um, I, I was like thinking, you know, I don't know what to get this woman who has cared for me for two years. I felt like nothing I could get. Like I had, there was no item I could ever have given her that would have lasted a lifetime that would mean, uh, so like that would symbolize as much as she meant to me. I just couldn't, I couldn't come up with something. So I was just sitting there one day and I said, Nana do you want to get matching tattoos? And she was like, yes, Tele, I would love to get matching tattoos. Tele was my Fijian name. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. We're go- we should get the word Laloma. Laloma means sending love. So whenever you call someone, you would always say like, oh, Laloma, Tele, like I missed you. We're sending you love. And so I was like, Nana, we should get Laloma so that every single time I look at it while I'm in America and you look at it when you're in Fiji, you, you can know that I'm always sending you love and I will know that you're always sending me love and she was like that's such a good idea I'm so I'm so I want to do that for sure and I was like perfect so this is like the ultimate gift it'll definitely last a lifetime and so um, I tell the story a lot and I say you know in America you just get into a car you go to the new the nearest tattoo parlor and you guys look at like some of the artist designs you decide, you get the tattoo, you pay, you leave. <clears throat> Simple enough. Well, not in Fiji. In Fiji, <laughs> I took, me and my nana, it was so funny. We took a truck from our village to the school I taught at. Then we took another truck to a um, another another village, a different village that was two miles away from the other village where the tattoo artist was. So then, so then we walked two miles, well, we, would, we walked about one 
and three quarters of a mile until somebody picked us up, like who was a police officer. Um, well, was I a police officer? What was this person? Oh, he was just working with the district officer. So we knew him, although that's still illegal. You're not supposed to get into any transportation while you're a Peace Corps volunteer. Uh, that's not that's not like uh, public. But anyway, uh, we get into his car. We get to the, the person's house who was doing the tattoo. Now, this person, I had met him, his... Pete was his name. He actually didn't have any thumbs or index fingers. And he didn't have any thumbs or index fingers because when he was living in the city about seven years prior, he had done bad business with a tattoo parlor and they like beat his thumbs and his index fingers off. But I still heard that he did the best tattoos out there. So I really wanted to get a tattoo from him. So we get to his house and he's living in like, a, it's kind of like almost a tree house. I, it was the coolest Virginian house I've ever seen next to mine. Mine was really cool. But um, uh, he was living in like a very cool, open, kind of like a tree house. And we get there and he's like, oh, well, the power's not on. So we're going to have to use the solar panel to to make sure that we that the uh the gun works so he pulled out his solar power a solar panel thank god there was sun the day before and the day of because or else we weren't getting the tattoos after walking driving and walking about i don't know all together probably seven miles and um we got the tattoos on his solar panel and i just feel like my tattoo is so organic you know and, um so yeah i mean i just it was such a great experience to my nana was freaking out because she hadn't gotten a tattoo they usually when they're younger in fiji a lot of times they'll do poke and sticks of their uh secondary school uh, initials so my nana had a few tattoos that were poke and stick but you know I'm, they weren't the, the best done <laughs> so i really wanted to give her something that looked like really nice and stuff so she got hers right above like um right in the middle of her arm around here and i got mine on my right uh, forearm. So yeah, it was it was a really good experience. That was awesome. I'm glad that I'm so happy I got to do that with her because I had left abruptly, which I guess we'll get into later. But, and um, so I'm so happy that I did that before I had I had left suddenly. Yeah. So it was mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, then I guess we can get into um, your leaving abruptly because uh, you cited that as you know being your least favorite Peace Corps memory, and say and you actually say that it happened the day that you had reached out to me originally to to tell your story. So this hadn't even happened. So you were going to tell your story, and this what you're about to tell us now wasn't even yet a part of your Peace Corps experience. So tell us a little bit about what is your least favorite Peace Corps memory. Yeah, I just got a little bit of chills because it's so weird. I just, because <clears throat> the time difference in America and when uh, Fiji, I think it was 16 hours at the time. So I was just, um, I was, I had been at a place um, about a mile and a half away from my village for the night to do a farewell because I, I, again, I was leaving about 12 days after and I was um, watching the sunrise and I was messaging you about my Peace Corps stories, super, super weird. And I had said what I would like to talk about um, and now it's changed a little bit. So uh, then... Um, basically that day I went back to the, oh, the, the police came to find me and, um, oh, the police came to find me to tell me that somebody had tried to burn my house down. Um, 
my house was made out of bamboo, so as you can imagine, it's pretty flammable. And so immediately I thought to myself, okay, did I leave a candle on or did I leave my um, gas my gas on for my gas stove? Um, because about a year prior, I also left a candle burning and that actually did create a small fire in my house. So immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I definitely left a candle burning overnight. And they were like, no... That's not what happened. Somebody literally put, you know, it was kind of like a homemade grenade inside my house because for Peace Corps, you have to have cages over your windows. But my um, village had made it so I had a cage over my window, but there was a little tiny opening so that I could stick a um, pole or like a, a stick um, to open the window up. So there was a way that people could kind of put one or two two arms through there <clears throat> but nothing more than that well like they couldn't get inside themselves so anyway <clears throat> sorry hold on um and my safety and security officer at our cos conference said to us you have to be a little bit more cautious during your last three months of service because you're more vulnerable then. So luckily I had locked my door and I usually never locked my door if I was leaving for one night. Um, so I locked my door and uh, thankfully, um, because I think that had I left my door open, then these people, well, the person whoever did this would have just went inside and put the homemade bomb in the middle, but they decided to put it on Two, I had two windows on each side of my house. My house was just a square. And so they put two of these bombs on each side. Uh, I shouldn't say bombs. I'm sorry. Uh, I should just say like a ball of fire. Um, and so it caught up in flames on both sides. And this happened at about 4 a.m. And luckily, somebody who was praying um, saw the flames and got up. She got up, she got some men and they started getting buckets of water and then they kicked down my door and they, they put out the fire. And so, um, I like to look at things positively a lot of times. So that was obviously a really bad situation that somebody had it out for me. And obviously it was, um, kind of like an attack, but, there were a lot of things that happened that uh, I think that the stars were aligning. So, for example, my passports were not, and I say passports plural because when you're in the Peace Corps, they issue you two. Um, so my passports weren't burned. I had uh, a few, I had like money in my, in a tin box next to my wallet. I don't know why I put money in my tin box as opposed to leaving my, in it, in, in my wallet. My wallet was burned to a crisp. And so the $200 was in this tin box. So I had $200 to be able to leave the village immediately. Um, what else had happened? Oh, the, suitcase that I had all these souvenirs for my loved ones back home that that suitcase the entire outside was burned everything inside was saved it was crazy um what else happened uh the the fire got onto my bed and you ask in this what's like one of the most um one of the most precious things that I brought to Peace Corps was a teddy bear that I always sleep with that was not burned there was just, uh, and, and oh, sorry, and a lot of, and I, I wasn't there. So that was also uh, something that was really positive about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, so, so this happens, the, the police come find you, tell you, you know, someone 
tried to burn down your house. Uh, did, did Do you have any idea who it was? Did they ever find them? or? Um, I have somewhat of an idea. They did close the case, um, So, and I'm really upset about that. Um, they, I do, there was this one man who about a year prior had asked me to sleep with me and I said no. And I think that made him angry. Uh, and then also he had asked me if I could teach him family life education in his house, which was in like even more in the bush than my village was. His house was really secluded. And so family life education, a big topic of that is sex education. So I kind of thought that's what he was asking for. And I said, no, I politely declined. And that was about a year and a half uh, before this. And ever since then, he whenever I saw him, like I would just like feel like there was a cloud of darkness on top of me. It was never good. I never liked seeing him ever again. And there have been men that have asked me if they could sleep with me when I was, when they were drunk or something, I also declined and i and then they would, you know, they were never predators and I never felt this evilness around them. But this man, I really felt a real, like real nastiness towards me. And I, and I didn't really like him either. And so, um, I think it was him. I'm not positive. They closed the case and, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention this about a month prior um, to my fire, my house fire, my sign that, you know, the Peace Corps makes it mandatory for you to, or at least Peace Corps Fiji made it mandatory for you to make a completion sign for your project. So my project completion sign had um, assisted by Peace Corps, funded by USAID, Vunicora Flush Toilet Project. And so I put that, we, we hung that sign out right outside my village. And somebody had um, tried to burn that sign down a month prior. So I did a police report and I was like, hey, I want to make this a report because this is vandalism. But more importantly, I think this is a threat. And those police officers said, no, we don't think it's a threat. We think it's just teenagers trying to, um, you know, be like being little assholes or something like that. Sorry. Um, but we don't think it's a threat. And I said, okay, I guess if you guys don't think it's a threat, then all right. And they never looked into it, even though they said, even though you, you feel unsafe, so we're going to look into it. And I said, okay, so please do that. So um, they never did look into it. So actually the morning that the police came to find me where I was, um, I thought that they were coming to find me to, to do more investigation about the sign because they had said that they were going to come back. And it just winded up that they never did the investigation. Had they have done the investigation, maybe this would not have happened. But who knows? But I do want to say that I speak very highly of the of Fijian people, but I will never speak highly of authority there. I don't think that police officers do their jobs, and I think that they're sexist. So I think they closed the case because I'm gone, and I think they probably closed the case because I'm a woman. Your house is almost burned to the ground. Um, all this is going on, and then you're told that, that you have to leave, correct? <laughs> Yeah, so my, my this happened on a Tuesday. My actual big farewell party was that following Wednesday, and everyone was preparing for it. Um, like, it was a huge deal in the village meeting, and so it was... Um, so I immediately had to leave, and it happened in the morning. So I just called Peace Corps, and they were like, oh, my God. And they were like, we never heard anything like this before. So they said... Um, you have to get to the nearest town. And then I said to them, 
hold on. I said, I know I don't, I can't sleep here tonight. I'll sleep in the nearest town, but can they do a farewell party for me tomorrow if they agree to it? And then I will also go back to the town tomorrow night and then I'll leave on Thursday. Peace Corps agreed to that. They were so, they were so like, okay with that. They just did not want me to sleep there Mm -hmm. and they didn't want me to be there after dark. So, um, I left, I I left that day and then I slept in the nearest town, which was two hours away. (laughs) And then I, um, I don't even, it was, it's kind of a blur right now. And then I came back on that Wednesday, had a huge party, you know, packed up all my stuff. It was really interesting because it's like a really simple way to pack because a lot of things are burned so you didn't have I didn't have much um so yeah and then the ladies helped me pack whatever was remaining remaining I kind of felt really bad because I had a pile of clothes that a lot of the Fijian women were eyeing they said like I want this dress I want that dress when you leave and so that pile of clothes was on my bed and it was burned pretty bad Mm -hmm. yeah so uh um, they didn't get a lot of my clothes and I feel really bad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you seem so nonchalant when you're talking about all of this now sort of removed from it. And maybe it's just the way, you know, yes, you could dwell on it, but what's the point? I mean, it happened and you worked through it all. Um, but how was that then, you know, coming, coming back to the U S you know, that transition, that was sort of a very harsh way to end your service. Yeah, I speak about it nonchalantly because it's not a, like, you know, I, I'm a person that I like to find, like, I don't know, I, am, I have like kind of like a dark sense of humor. So I, I like to hopefully find a little bit of humor in any situation because it's how I get through a lot of things. But um, it was the hardest thing ever. I mean, I had a really good two years. Was it difficult? Absolutely. Almost 70% of the time it was difficult. But without um, without challenge, there's no growth. And so I, I grew so much, you know. It was the best. Fiji was the best place that I could have ever went to. It was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and so leaving like that was the worst thing that could have happened of my Peace Corps service. It was like, you know, my village took care of me for so long. I was never attacked before that. I, nobody, well, there was people who used to come to my door at night, like once or twice. Um, but I, you know, I had my doors locked all the time and I, and I, and the, the nearest house was a stone throw away. So if I, if anything, I just started screaming, um, and so anyway, not, that never happened though. Like I'm saying that my village took such good care of me and to leave like that, they felt really hurt because they thought that I would think that that's them. You know, if a person, if a one person of a group does something, sometimes people generalize, but I knew better not to generalize because I was living with them for two years and this wasn't Vunikora. This was not the village that I was living with. It was one person and one person can ruin, can ruin an, an entire village's reputation because Fiji is a really small country and Fiji. And like, if something happens to a Peace Corps volunteer in Fiji, a lot of people hear about it. Um, and so it sucks that that reputation was ruined. And um, transitioning back to the U.S. was, it, it's crazy because I, there, the thing, I don't want to seem like, the thing is, is that I was, I had been a little bit scared ever since my sign was burned. I had 
been sleeping not very regularly because I was scared when when the sun went down because I didn't know if somebody was out to get me, you know? So I was scared. So there was uh, mixed emotions when they told me I was leaving early. I'm not going to lie. Half of me said yes, like thank you because I want to sleep, you know? Um, So being in America, I talk about this to my mom all the time. I just sleep so much better. I know that nobody's going to come inside my house. Um, I know that like nobody is going to come knocking on my, my door who's a stranger asking for sex or something like that. And so I feel safe here. Um, and honestly, transitioning back to the U.S. has been okay for the first month, all of October, all I did was like, you know, catch up with anybody who I've ever known in the past 24 years of life in just <laughs> a month. And so it was really fun. And now I'm buckling down and I'm applying to grad school and I'm applying to jobs. And it's it's a little stressful. But like I said, without challenge, there's no growth. And so yeah, that's how you have to look at life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since you've been back, you know, uh, this may change as time goes on, but w- what do you miss about Peace Corps, uh, about Fiji? I miss my Nana the most. I miss my little brothers, my little brother Kayasi and my little sister Sia. Um, and I miss a living, oh, I miss, this is funny, but when I was in Fiji, I only got service at the beach like I only got 3G service when I was beachfront inside the village the because the tower was on a different island. And so when, when you went to the beach, you could see that island and then therefore you had service. But if you couldn't see that island, you were not connected to the Internet. So I would be always, you know, bitching about how I had to go to the sea to go and get cell phone service. But now I'm like everyone's always on their phones. Now I wish I was a walk away from the beach just to get cell phone service because I'm always distracted on my phone. You know, when I was in Fiji, I didn't have so much, um, things on my phone readily available to distract me from like the present. So that's also one thing that, um, I, not that I've identified in myself, but I think that I was a lot more living in the present I guess maybe now I'm identifying it in myself. Like I'm, I was living in the present a lot in Fiji. Now I'm not always attentive. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and also the one thing I'll miss is like being just like <clears throat> the, I used to, I started training a little bit in Fiji. I actually ran a 10 K there and um, I would do beachfront runs almost every other morning at least. And I really miss that. Mm-hmm. And then what is something that you learned in the Peace Corps? Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that I learned, but I, I definitely learned that patience is a virtue. And I think that like everyone just has to be a little bit more empathetic and sympathetic to people because you never know what they're going through. Um, I think that like strangers, I don't know when, when people tell me, ask me what I've learned in the Peace Corps, I have such like a broad view of it because I think that like I just am a I'm a nicer person now. I'm so much I'm such a you know if I'm at the grocery store I'm always talking to the cashier because you don't know what that person's going through at home and you know you just don't you don't you could you could just be a smiling face for that person. So I I just think that like I learned a lot of patience and and I learned that 
we should all be just a tiny bit nicer to each other, especially in this world at the moment. So, yeah. And I learned not to be so, um, like, materialistic and, oh, you know what I learned? That I hate shopping now. I hate going to, <laughs> I hate going to the stores. I freaking hate it. It's the worst. And I love, now I'm loving that I have online shopping, but that's, like, that's not a necessity. That's just, like, a want. So, but, yeah, I just hate, I learned that I hate shopping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know what? I went to the Peace Corps to learn what I want to do with my life, and I did learn what I want to do with my life. So at least I accomplished my personal goal. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind sharing, uh, what what is that? Um, I would I would really like to be a couples therapist, and then eventually become a certified sex therapist. Actually, so yeah. Well, I wish you the the best as you progress towards you know that new goal that you gained. Uh, from the Peace Corps. And before we leave, is there anything else that you would like to share? Well, uh, I'll ask you to share uh, a quote at the end, but is there any story, antidote, or uh, something that you want people who are listening to know about you, your experience, or the Peace Corps in general? Well, I don't think that my mom would be too happy if I left without saying that I ate a bat while I was in Fiji, literally just like a boiled bat. And it was really good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was a fruit bat, so it didn't eat insects. And then also, I just um, have a funny story about my little sister. So and my little sister was like four. Her name was Sia. She's a the most beautiful little girl I've ever seen. And so she was eating a breakfast cracker. That was a huge thing to eat in the, actually anytime during the day. Um, so she was eating breakfast crackers and I would always ask the kids for a breakfast cracker if they were eating them. So I was like, Hey, Sia, can I have that breakfast cracker in your hands? So she was like, yeah. So she hands me the breakfast cracker and then she reaches into her underwear to get her another breakfast cracker. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I just know where this breakfast cracker came from. It came right out of the same place and I ate it. So that was really funny. (laughs) And I also just want to say that, um, I just want to say that like, mm, I don't, I just hope that somebody listening to this knows the, that my story, I just don't want it to be the danger of a single story. Fiji's a really beautiful place they have beautiful people there and i don't want this to hinder anybody thinking that they want to join the peace corps or thinking that they want to go to fiji but the peace corps is definitely a challenge so if you're looking for a challenge and join it if you're not looking for a challenge and you're looking for an easy breezy two years in fiji then don't join it you know mm-hmm. definitely yeah if you're looking for a vacation go on a vacation don't go don't, don't go to peace corps yes. exactly and uh, in ending the show, uh, would you please share a quote with us from uh, your local language? Uh, yeah, sure. So Laloma is the, the word that I got tattooed on me, and that just means sending love. Um, and there's two other ones. Mm-hmm. There's this word Isa, just I-S-A. Isa means like how sad or like sympathetic Isa or also it can mean something really happy so they would say like or like maybe I'm leaving for a week and my Nana would say Isa Tale I'm so I'm gonna miss you or like they would be like or somebody would be graduating from university and they'd be like Isa like it's it just means like it's like kind of an expression Mm -hmm. um and then also 
well, I guess I have two more after this. Vaca Malua meant just take things slow. Um, but in my dialect, we never said the K. So Vaca Malua meant take things slow. Like, um, like, and also a word called Vafangu va means rest. Like, take things slow. Make sure you're resting because that's how you're going to get things done in this culture. So I really like those, all those words. And then also, my name, Tele in Fijian, meant something that was precious and meant something that was really valuable to someone and that somebody, that's something that you liked. And so my host family named me Tale. And I, I was like, I love this name just because I like the way it sounds. And they told me what it meant. And I was just so touched. And I just kept it for the whole two years. And so whenever I said to anybody, um, hi, my name is Tale, they'd say, oh, Tale, do you know what that means? And I was like, yes, I know it means something precious. And I love my name for that. So yes. Yeah. So those are my words that I really, really like in Fijian. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing those, and thank you for sharing uh, your story today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Enjoyed talking with you, too. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and the My Peace Corps Story podcast, head on over to MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you want to know my personal Peace Corps story, please check out my new book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. For all of you who have reached out to me in relation to my book and had so many kind words to say, thank you very much. I'd like to read one review that I've received on Amazon that meant a lot to me. They write, As a currently serving PCV in Uganda, I devoured your book. I felt like I could relate to nearly every page. I am glad you found a way to share your unique story and experiences in Burkina Faso and can share a glimpse with us. I hope you keep publishing and also producing work via your podcast because I really enjoyed your book and I look forward to more stories. P.S. You make me want to share my own. Well, Sierra444, if ever you want to, just let me know and I'll be there to help you. Thank you everybody for listening and until next time, peace.